Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. What are we talking about today, Connie? This is kind of a almost a taboo topic or a topic that's seen as awkward to talk about, but since we've already done our Feminism in Korea episode, I think we're allowed to talk about this now. We don't give a crap anymore. Yeah, like we already went that far, so why not go further? Um, this episode is all about menstruation or... The bane of simply, our existence. Yeah. I don't know why they're so tabooed. I think luckily, maybe we'll talk about this a little more later, but actually I find that because I work in a younger office... Um, we just like talk about it openly, like all the females at work just talk about it openly. And then all like the males are just like, oh, okay, I guess this is my life now. <laughs> Same here. I have like friends and like certain coworkers that I'm really comfortable talking about these topics. But at the same time, it's still like pretty awkward to talk about most of the time. Mm, yeah. Hopefully this episode will open up the discussion and make it seem like it's okay to talk about your period. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's crazy because it's literally like... 25% of a female's month is spent like bleeding depending on like how long your period lasts obviously but why don't we talk about it more like why do we keep pretending that all females are just walking around like normal functioning people when they're losing blood mm-hmm, exactly and to build on to the stat you just said I actually found an article that talked about how a woman will spend eight years of her life on her period uh-huh. I'm not looking forward to that uh-huh. <laughs> So, you sounded like Kawhi laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so we've structured this into two overarching topics. The first of which is our obvious bicultural element about like how we deal with it, East versus West. The second one is the feminist implications about it. And then the third, we're probably just going to rant about our own lives and give recommendations maybe on how to make your period less annoying. Or for those who don't have their periods, how to help other people. Very know? important. So we'll start with the first one. We said East versus West, but I think that menstruation is such a tabooed topic, like Connie was saying, that we really don't know how other cultures deal with it because the most exposure we've had growing up and culturally is from just school and like from home. Yeah, just by the basics of how like Chinese people see um, menstruation versus how people out in the West see it. There's some like huge differences. So me personally and Jenny as well, um, most of the knowledge we have about our periods is from our mom. And obviously she's raised in a Chinese background. So there's things that seem like common sense to me about my period. But then when you talk to other people in school or at work about it, you realize, oh, they don't do things like that mm-hmm. if they're not Chinese. Yeah, there's so many elements behind it, so many different rules. All this time growing up watching movies that are meant for, you know, defining gender norms between like women. Um, I was always taught that when I was on my period, it would be the perfect time to treat myself to like a tub of ice cream. Yeah, you see those tweets about how my boyfriend is the best because he bought me ice cream while I'm on my period and it like it cheers me up so much. And I'm like, dude, I would totally get so angry at my boyfriend because that would like give me so much pain. That sentence alone has our ancestors rolling over in their <laughs> graves. So if it wasn't clear already, or if you're not from like a Chinese background or an Asian background, you might have not heard, but for... Our culture, it's not good to consume cold drinks and food on your period, nor is it okay to, you know, expose yourself to cold environments like going swimming or like staying out in the cold for too long in the winter. 
and it's thought to like increase your period cramps. I don't know about all of you, but for me, I find that stands pretty true. I completely like there's like a scientific explanation to this, in my opinion, because when you're in a colder environment, you always like your muscles will always tense up. So if your uterus is already trying to like push out blood and like shed its layerings, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to freak out more if it's cold around you because your abdominal muscles are going to be like contracting and like everything's going to be like, oh, like I'm cold, you know? Exactly. Like things contract when they're cold. It's and that's cramps a biological too. concept. Yes. Your muscles will contract and your uterus is made of muscles. Apart from cold food too, you also have to avoid spicy food. I don't know why this is exactly. I never do this. In fact, when I'm on my period, I use it as an excuse to eat like spicy um, <laughs> instant noodles because I just like treat myself to like warm soup. I think there's two explanations I've heard about the spicy food argument. One is that if you think about spice, it's like irritating to your skin, to your to any part of you so i think that's a concept where they think that'll irritate your uterus and then it'll contract more kind of like stimulate it and another explanation i've heard is just that spicy food makes you break out more like acne wise and we're already susceptible to acne more on our period so i think that's another reason i don't want to talk about acne right now why i messed up my skin (laughs) did i talk about this already in an episode i don't remember i messed up my skin like four months ago with like bad skincare ideas and then um i'm still trying to rescue it it's getting better but i'm still breaking out you know and i had such good skin building up to that moment it was so sad we've all been there yeah it's fine we're human don't take random skincare trends to heart don't do it (laughs) So with that aside, I think another interesting thing to point out in terms of Chinese, or this is all of Eastern culture, I believe, and I think this is a safe assumption to make um, versus the Western society. There's a much, much larger preference towards using pads over tampons. People in Asia don't really feel comfortable talking about tampons. Not at all. I think there's this belief that it can almost like take away your virginity if you use it. Mm-hmm. And if you go into like stores and I think I've looked in like Japan and Korea and in China, like the three Asian countries I've really visited. And if you go into a convenience store, it's all pads. I've never seen a single tampon. This blurs into the lines of the feminist discussions that we will come to next, I think. But I will say one of the positives, if I can put it that way, of this preference over of pads over tampons is I have never used such amazing pad technology than I have in Asia. You're so right. Their pads are amazing. They're like most comfortable pads ever. They're literally light, thin, they're shorter, but like I've never like had problems with leakages. I don't know how they figured out this technology. It's quite amazing. Yeah. But I think that it's like Connie is saying, they just have different beliefs beliefs, um, on how like tampons work. And I think a lot of the older generations in Asia would probably faint if they found out what a diva cup was. (laughs) Oh, God, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. I saw a stat that like maybe 2% of people in China use tampons. And I'm guessing that's like more, you know, the athletes that can't use pads. Mm -hmm. And just the younger generation who just Mm -hmm. like don't care what Mm -hmm. their like, you know, their grandparents would think anymore or. Yeah. And I guess one good thing that can come out of that is to me, at least the thought of a tampon has always been like scary because there's a risk of toxic shock syndrome. Yes. That is my biggest reason for not using a tampon, to be honest. Like, to think that if you accidentally, like, couldn't get to a washroom in a certain period of time, and then you just, like, get poisoned, basically. But of course, like, not to scare tampon users, that's, like, a very normal risk that everyone deals with when they use tampons, and, like, 
most of the population here does. That's the PSA. Safe tampon usage to <laughs> all. What's the next thing? The next difference between like the Chinese and the West? Well, like we said, it's a taboo topic everywhere, but I definitely think Asia in general is still farther behind on how accepting people are of talking about periods publicly. I would disagree. Can I jump really? in here? So I think that because of like Asia's obsession with herbal medicine and like Chinese medicine and like all these principles on like balancing your yin and your yang like energies in your body and everything, when you actually talk to like your family or like you talk to like family friends, it's not super tabooed if you like use the scientific terms of it. Mm-hmm. So like when I was in China last year, alluding to topic three that we'll be touching on, I have terrible periods and I'll share more of my experience in that later. But my mom would just be able to openly tell like an entire gathering that I wasn't feeling <laughs> well because gathering. I was going like I had cramps and you just have to say it with like the formal term. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, true. That's chill. And then like everyone knows that you have to like be warm and like eat certain things and like all the men know too like it's kind of interesting i think because of like the emphasis in herbal medicine i think your period ends up this could be a complete wrong assumption i think your period ends up linking into a whole system of other like bodily organs and how they work together okay yeah so that's the concept of chinese traditional medicine is yeah. that if you if you want to cure a certain problem you have you have to look at it from a systemic perspective like you have to try to look at other body parts that you can also target to help reduce the symptoms you're feeling in a complete other part of your body Mm -hmm. And because like the system is also like outside of the uterus, you know, and the reproductive organs, it's a lot less weird to talk about. That's a really cool observation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for me, the example I was just thinking of when I said that it's a little more taboo in China, it's like, do you remember in the 2016 Olympics, I think I saw okay. it was, there was this female swimmer that didn't perform that well. And she was a swimmer for China. Mm hmm. And she basically did an interview afterwards, like, yeah, I didn't do well. My period came yesterday. I don't feel very good. Squad. Exactly. Like, I think the response here, like, there was a lot of positive response, like, good job, girl, start the conversation. But then I think the response in China is a bit more negative. Like, why does she think that's an excuse? And like, why is she talking about this? It's weird. I don't think any female athletes talk about their periods. And that's literally all I can think about. Like, same in K-pop, right? Sometimes I just think about, like, what if your comeback or what if your tournament lands on your period? Like, these girls that are fainting on stage, I'm like, oh, okay, I see you're probably... You know, I know it sucks. I actually watched like a YouTube video. This ex K-pop idol talked about how it was a struggle sometimes um, to be on your period. I think she herself didn't have many issues. She's just one of those lucky ones that doesn't really experience cramps or anything. Mm -hmm. But she said like some of her group members really struggled with it and you just have to push through and it kind of sucks. Mm. Yeah, I think this almost like perfectly directs us into the next conversation topic, which is the feminist implications behind menstruation. Because it's so interesting how the society is telling us in North America um, and in Asia now, like women, you have so many more job opportunities. You have, you know, so many advantages inside. You can climb up and get leadership positions or you can climb up for success in different industries. But somehow when we're in like our professional environments, we can't tell people why we're struggling on a day where we're literally like blacking out from pain. Okay. Can I do a story time? Yes. So this happened last year. I was at work. And this is the point in my period where I already think like I'm past the point where I would get bad cramps. You know what I mean? So I ate something cold. Great decision on my part. I went back to the office after my lunch break and I just started feeling like kind of like normal period cramps. I took an Advil 
and somehow two seconds later i've never experienced such bad cramps in my life i couldn't like stand up without vomiting so i had to like run to a washroom and vomit but i couldn't even get up from the floor and like there was no one in the washroom at the time so i was just like dying alone on the floor by myself and then i tried to like get back to my cubicle and like sit down for a bit but it was to the point where like i couldn't even sit i had to like just collapse on the floor from pain every time i tried to stand up i'd vomit some more and at this point any normal person suffering from these symptoms from any other disease would be like, okay, to their, like, coworker, please help me. But somehow my brain, I was so, like, embarrassed that I didn't say anything to anyone. I do not understand why I felt that way. I remember this day because Connie actually texted me. I was still at university and she said, oh, I finally understand how you feel now because, like, I think this is how, like, there's not enough understanding on how periods are different for every single person because, most women don't experience very like very extreme yeah extreme cramps or like extreme situations with their periods and like I think that's why a lot of people I've talked to about my experiences they can't fully understand like what it means and then Connie finally texted me and she's like I totally get it now because this without fail happens to me three months out of a year every single year I can't believe how you deal with that literally like my body went to shock you know what I mean yeah, like, so I've had so many situations like this. I don't even know if I can list them out. They've happened at all my internships in the summers multiple times. They've happened where I've had to, like, drag myself back from classes at university, like, walk home 18 minutes, but I don't remember how, how I got that? home. How would you do that? Oh, my God. Like, I'm just usually covered by sweat by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll have more advice but, for people like, later. I'm curious because the point I brought this up is that, like, I was so ashamed to ask for help that I had to just call my dad to like drive over and get me home Mm -hmm. and so what about you did you ask for help um so the few times where it's happened at work I do remember one specific situation where I was so lucky because one lady near my cubicle found me in the washroom so she like helped me and then told my manager I need to leave so Mm -hmm. I got to go back that time at school all my roommates knew whenever I was dying you know it's different with your friends yeah it's more like people I don't know well but I think the worst experience I've ever had was my first week at work like at full-time work and I got my period and this wasn't even like a bad symptom time because I took Advil as soon as it came since I knew like I was like this is my first week at work it is not gonna stop me now and what comes with my period every single time is also fatigue So when I usually get my period, the first day I will like take the day off of lectures, if that makes sense, in university. Mm -hmm. And I'll just stay at home and like just sleep the entire day. And then usually when I wake up, I feel less disgusting. Like I still feel gross, but I don't feel like I'm going to collapse. But now that I'm working full time, it's not an option anymore. So I was at this like presentation or like a meeting boardroom and I just couldn't keep my eyes open. I never fall asleep during meetings, mm-hmm. by the way. But it was like literally like my first impressions on like one of the managers there. Mm-hmm. And she messaged my friend who started the same week as me and uh-huh. was like, oh, like you should poke Jenny to get her to wake oh, up. Oh, that's so embarrassing. And me. then I like and then I told my friend what was happening. She was like, oh, like, that's totally fair. Like, I got it. And I don't know if she like she probably forwarded the message along to her manager. Uh-huh. But I was just like, so like, I hated my life because I was like, it's not fair that because like I'm a woman that has bad like menstrual side effects that I have to like suffer career wise, you know? Exactly. And I've always been someone who's like, 
openly talked about how I wish we had like period sick leave. Yeah. Not just like sick leave for everyone, but a specific leave you could take for your period. Mm-hmm. Because women would benefit from that so much. I'm the largest advocate for that because I literally like I don't care how like people view it but the first day of my period every single month starting from that point I just work from home like you can't tell me to come in it's not good for anyone my current job it's hard to work from home now it's not because everyone had to adapt because of the quarantine going on so I'm glad that this is taking a new direction hopefully I can just stay at home if I ever have to work on days where my period comes and it's particularly an annoyance to drag yourself out of bed and Mm -hmm like you know go into the office yeah like I think the really good thing about like my workplace too I think maybe this is a part of us being in Canada is that they're they have flexible work from home policies to a certain extent so they want their employees to be at work but if you have to work from home they understand Mm -hmm. like if you have influence over companies and like work hours or like work environments and you're listening to us somehow it's Mm -hmm. a really significant change you can make for like 50% of your hiring hopefully 50% of your hiring (laughs) because you don't like you don't fully understand how much it means to like be able to wake up and then just get your laptop and like sit down where you're comfortable Uh uh-huh the reason i feel like it should be extra days for women like you know specific period sick leave is because like it happens every month Mm -hmm. and i don't know about you jenny but like i have a lot sick leave for my work benefits and all of it is used on my period yeah I hardly get really sick to a point where I can't go to work. So like, you know, when you have like a little bit of a sore throat, like I I still go to work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think this is a part of like the really interesting research that always goes around about inclusivity and how like small changes that you wouldn't even think of would influence like a larger population that you would think, right? Mm -hmm. Like offering more sick leave in Connie's situation makes employees feel more comfortable that they can take these days without giving too much reasoning or like yeah, you know, exactly. Evading the awkward topic because the genuine taboo behind this, and this goes back into the feminist topic, is that it's not like a taboo topic when I talk about it with guys my age or like people of like other genders or sexes, sorry, yeah. my age. But when I talk about it to a superior, even when the superior might be also a female who menstruates, I feel like I'm being seen as someone who's making excuses for not wanting to do work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know how in middle school we were raised under the misogynistic idea that girls would use their periods to get out of gym class or out of classes, and then everyone would, like, joke about, oh, you're a girl, you can just tell them you're on your period. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, a terrible thing we've set ourselves up for, because now I don't feel comfortable telling anyone superior to me that I need time because I'm about to black out, you know? Exactly. I've actually been trying to fight that. Do you know the other day? I You do know because I was like concerned and I talked to you about it. I usually like if I take sick leave, I like briefly explain why I need it. I think that's like common courtesy. So the time where I had to take time off because of my period, I literally just said I have really terrible menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and I didn't know if it's TMI, mm-hmm. but I didn't want it to seem like all that different from my other emails. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... I would like to say, I forgot to mention, the manager I mentioned that I made a bad impression on, we're friends now, it's all good. Like, I did not sabotage my career. (laughs) Women understand (laughs) women, okay? And that's why equality and leadership is also important. Yep. I've never met a woman that doesn't understand that you're going through bad cramps or Mm -hmm. something. I think overall, like, I saw Connie made a note that we'll touch on now about, like, pads and, like, you know, lending them to each other. Mm -hmm. I think... I am super lucky again because I work on a younger floor, like the average age. So like we legit just like pass each other pads publicly like on a desk. (laughs) I mean, it's more if guys are around somehow. 
Yeah, like, like we all sit together and then we're just like, oh yeah, like chill. Oh, I find that I'm still in an environment where you kind of whisper about it or like back in school, my friends would text me like, please meet me mm-hmm. in the washroom. Same. I need of a pad. Yeah, I think I have so much pressure around my period and I'll talk more about this later again, as I've been saying, um, that I was like the known pad supplier in school, basically. That's where, so like, funny. If my friends ever, because a lot of girls have pretty easy periods. Yeah, where um, you can predict exactly. Yeah, what like lighter flows, lighter um, duration, and like no cramps and stuff like that. So their periods would catch them completely off guard because they don't even track like their cycle. Mm-hmm. And then the like everyone in like band or like in classes would come to me for pads. That's so funny. And just a note to anyone who menstruates, please track your periods. There's a lot that your cycles and the symptoms you experience can tell you about your general health. Retweet. So even if you have super regular periods, it's really good to track to make sure. Honestly, like not going too personal on this because it's just like whole other privacy issue but from the past when I've had checkups related to my menstruation it's when I've been able to find the most other health issues that I would Mm -hmm. experience yeah it's really important to like know exactly what's normal for you and when things are a little off yeah just a little add-on to the pad topic I don't know about all of you but I think like quite a few people have something called the pad pouch where you choose a seemingly normal looking bag or Mm -hmm. a pouch to carry your pads with so that is really discreet you just uh gave me the perfect opening connie Woo to what i've always had a secret conspiracy and i've never shared this one with anyone because it's almost like shower thoughts level but i swear like sanitary pad companies have an agenda against female rights because i don't know like how many people who don't menstruate have seen like sanitary pads and like tampons, they're wrapped in bright orange, bright green, I, bright yeah. pink, bright, bright purple. purple. You want that to be seen and you want us to be ashamed when we're handling it in public. Like if you just printed it onto like a gray plastic sheet, who would even blink twice? I never thought about this, Jenny. You're so right. It's literally like if I take it out of my bag in public, which I do because I don't give a crap, but like other people obviously do. You're like waving around being like, I'm a weak woman that bleeds and like I should be ashamed of myself. Damn, I never thought of that. What a conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. and probably a true one. (laughs) On the complete other side of like being shamed to get your period... I'm kind of like a late bloomer, so I think I might have like a more unique point of view on this. But I also think there's an element to where like in the West, at least, where we both grew up, your period is something that's seen as you becoming a woman, right? Mm -hmm. And like at a certain point in your life, some girls will kind of be like, yes, I got my period. And since I was a late bloomer, everyone around me was telling me how they got their periods. I just felt so left behind. Isn't it weird that I wanted something to happen that now I know is like not the most fun thing to experience? And now that I have it, it's almost shame upon. I have a response and then a continuation. Mm -hmm. My response is that perhaps girls would be excited because back in the day, it would have made us a marriageable age. And then we could go get our six-year-old husbands and live happily ever after in the kitchen. You're right, you're right. And it symbolizes that, hey, you can get pregnant now because that's all you're good for. I'm so happy. I can push (laughs) out 16 babies now. Oh my god. Start me when I'm 14, you know? Yep. 
Anyway, my continuation. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. This was a point I actually was just telling Connie on the behind the scenes cut clips that I wanted to add in from our show notes, and this is actually around how there's a whole other l- section of like members of the female sex that are being excluded from this conversation constantly because I know so many of my friends or like so many girls that I've seen online who can't get their periods and like can't get like good like cycles in their menstruation you know mm-hmm. like they're just like not fertile is that a okay way to say it yeah well you wouldn't be fertile if you didn't have your period yeah, yeah. like they like, struggle with fertility they struggle yeah. with their hormones and like their whole like system basically of like reproduction and everything and I think it's crazy that um with like our male dominated societal standards I guess these women like constantly feel like they're failing at life just because their uterus isn't cooperating when it's literally one organ like if someone loses a kidney nobody's gonna say anything Uh but then when women can't bleed out of their uterus <laughs> i used a different word instead of the word i was going for there um when one man can't do that they suddenly feel like they're less because they can't give men their babies yeah that's a really good observation yeah like obviously there's larger health problems that could be affecting this and that's really important but i also think that it's crazy how i think we're getting more and more open with the conversation around menstruation but then people don't feel comfortable talking about when they can't menstruate yeah I think that's like a huge way our society views gender that's problematic. So if a man gets castrated, they're less of a man. If a woman doesn't have her period or uterus anymore, or if she, um, even if she like, you know, went through breast cancer treatment and no longer has her breasts, mm-hmm. um, they'll feel, what's the word for emasculated but for women? <laughs> Is there a word like that? But like less of a woman. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like organs on your body that makes you feel feminine or masculine Mm -hmm. and I think the reverse of that is like because women feel stronger now and like the girls that are growing up feel like you know they should be strong and like deal with the world the way it is um, and like get their place of power or whatever I do find like it's almost glorified in a way to not menstruate if you know what I mean like it's almost glorified to have nothing stopping you yeah so it concerns me because um, I have like friends that have problems with their cycles and I don't think they ever like knew that it was a strong issue because we always learn about what happens when you do menstruate you don't really learn about how you should take yourself to the doctor if you're not menstruating that's another thing like that's why I said to keep track of your periods because sometimes the topic is so taboo and if you don't have like a lot of women in your life that you know educate you about the subject you don't know when something's horribly wrong like Mm -hmm. i don't have my period that's dope yeah because everyone else who talks about openly are like me you know like Mm -hmm. talking about how i'm literally blacking out i'm puking like um i feel so much pain and then the person probably just thinks well i think i should just stay quiet because i don't experience any of this because i just don't even experience it at all yeah i think overall it's just a small message in our podcast episode today for those who do like experience what we just talked about that we know you exist at least and we're here and uh not to like this is my sense of humor acting and again that's not funny to other people but i'm here suffering too uh in a different way that also makes me you know confused mm-hmm. so we're all in this together yeah the message is whether you're female that has your period or does not or has really painful periods or has like hella easy periods we're all powerful women and we shouldn't be ashamed of our periods squat squat, squat or lack squat, of period squat skirt (laughs) (laughs) and now 
I would like to bring the topic back to pads. <laughs> this is basically the thesis of our entire episode, so listen up. Why the heck are pads so expensive? Someone please give me a good explanation Poor for it. Pourquoi? For most women out there, your period is something they have to go through every month, right? And not all of us are financially well off. So why are pads so expensive? There are probably people out there that are struggling to afford pads and they can't even have the tools to have proper hygiene and keep themselves healthy. Our recommendation of the week is probably going to touch more upon this subject. Mm -hmm. I think I learned a lot about my privileges in the Western society after watching like what we're going to yeah. recommend. Exactly. I just wish that companies and corporations weren't so greedy that they have to charge so much for like a basic need. I think it's also because a lot of governments voted, actually. I don't know actually how governments many exactly. Governments by males? Yes, but they did vote in favor of removing taxes from hygiene products. Oh, okay. But I basically think the result is that the company selling them just added the taxes back in. Like to the price? Yeah. Isn't that great? It's fabulous. A little bit of an anger rant there. If you're brave or like indifferent, then just, you know, go for the diva cup or something. Sustainable too. That's sustainable, yeah. Yeah. But everyone should do what they're most comfortable with. Exactly. Okay. That was um a lot, but we do have a final category to go into, which is our personal experiences and our own like recommendations for any people out there that are struggling too in their menstruation cycles, journeys. journeys <laughs> uh, torture, you know. So because I have a thick portfolio of both side effects and remedies, we'll let Connie start and I'll just fill in the gaps after. Yeah, I hope I don't bring up everything Jenny has to say because we are raised in the same household and we got taught the same remedies. Mm -hmm. For me, in the few instances that I've had terrible, terrible cramps, I find what helps me the most is just hugging a hot water bottle. In fact, that time that I mentioned at work where I completely like just wanted to shock from pain and like the pain medication, I vomited up, right? And I was just like, this isn't going to work. And the only thing that helped me was after I got home, I went to bed, put on the thickest socks I owned and hugged a water bottle and just passed out. And so I find like, even if here in the West, people don't really believe in like, you know, limiting cold foods and drinks, um, I really find heat helps with your pain. Mm -hmm. And it's like the best cure for period pains, in my opinion. And my mom makes this drink that's really really effective too. Um, it's called jiang tang shui, uh, which is basically like ginger and brown sugar. Tea. Which, tea. <laughs> it's probably some Chinese traditional medicine theory that like ginger helps like get residual blood out of you or something like that. I don't even know, but it does help. <laughs> nice. Those are my tips for now. I'll try to think of more as Jenny talks about her long, extensive personal experience. Yes. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about my personal experience because I haven't yet to meet someone who experiences like menstruation the same way I do. I think it's partly because it's a taboo topic as well. So I'm hoping if anybody's listening to this and they feel like the same ways through their months, they like feel a little less you know, dying in pain alone. I think my whole thing started off where I believed in 
like the Chinese or like the Eastern interpretation of menstruation because I actually swam competitively as a child. Um, and when I was like really young and it was still not time for me to get my period, I actually like got my period for like a month straight when swimming competitively. Yeah, you were like 11 or something. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, like... some people get their period at 11. Yeah, but for a month. Okay, yeah. And I think that's like the whole idea of what we were talking about before with competitive sports and athletes and how much they're suffering behind the scenes. Like literally, I decided to drop out from competitive swimming after that. And it sucks because I actually enjoyed like the sport quite a bit. Jenny was like number five in our province. No, no. What? I don't think I was. Yeah. No, I was yes. in Eastern part of our province. Okay. And East, it's still good. No, for, it's fine. Like someone that young, you had potential, Jenny. That's what they always say. And then you get old and you like suck. <laughs> but um, I just enjoyed it. And I just couldn't like pursue it because my health was clearly struggling. And then after I stopped swimming, it went away until a normal age, which is like super mysterious. And it was all fine and like dandy then, whatever. But then I remember in China, we went to like the beach once when I was on my period. Okay. That sounds and, like a bad idea. Yeah. And then I went into the ocean and I, it was the first time I've ever puked and blacked out from like my period. And it just like got ruined from there. Um, so like the same thing basically occurs for me like every year now, like maybe two or three times to the point where I think I have like the capabilities to detect early cramps. Uh huh. I do too. Yeah. Even though mine don't get nearly as bad. Like you can detect like before you even have pain, you feel like almost like an itch in your uterus and you're like, okay, Advil times. So, mm. oh, yeah, that's an important remedy, too. Why yeah. didn't I talk about that? That's actually something we didn't touch on in the East versus West is like in the East, a lot of children are raised to think that Advil will poison your uterus and ruin your babies. Yeah. Um, Someone explain that to me. please. Yeah. And then our family didn't have that perception. But mm-hmm. we also didn't know until I went to the gynecologist that Advil was the right medicine to take. And I think like I just have every symptom you can think of. So insomnia, yet fatigue. Um, what do you call it? Like overheating, like. Oh, I got both those two. But chills, cramps, nausea, migraines, um, back pain. Oh my goodness. Everybody probably gets back pain. And my lessons from just trying to figure out what to do is actually quite different from Connie's, I think, which is interesting. I think this is where it comes in on different things work for different people. I've actually like spent all of university making myself that ginger brown sugar tea. While like I have a very healthy stomach, actually. When I'm on my period, my stomach acid is, like, ridiculous. My entire body is just trying to, like, push everything back. Okay. So when I drink the ginger and brown sugar tea, my mouth just tastes rancid for the rest of the day. And I don't feel like it helps that much. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So that's one thing I actually avoid, but I just drink plain hot water, which is also something weird to Western people. Uh, hot water is the best. Yeah. Um, another thing that really helps is like Connie saying the hot water bottle, but I actually find sometimes a hot water bottle is too hot for me. So I literally just put the palm of my hand against my skin <laughs> and it's like your usually, body heat. What the heck? My hands are usually freezing cold. If I'm No, like... so like it's usually cold. I shove it like in my armpit first or like somewhere <laughs> and I warm it up. And then oh, when I get it okay. to like a body heat temperature, I just put it on like the skin near my pelvis region and it's like perfect. And I do it in public sometimes. Like nobody's going to notice if I'm sitting in the cubicle holding my stomach, you That's know? True. I think that like helps me or like you can get and I'm a sustainable person. So I wouldn't, like, recommend this in masses, but you could get those, like, heat pads that they sell in, like, Asian stores. I love those, yeah. Um, or, like, I'm trying to make a hot bean bag, you know, that you just microwave. Mm-hmm. Um, Reusable one. Yeah. But I do find, like, sometimes the hot water bottle is a little too much. I, like, 
have developed the skill of finding the perfect temperature for myself. Mm-hmm. Cause like sometimes I put in some cold water if it's way too hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like in university I had like six months where I vomited every single month, and then I just like was so done with everything. So I decided to just go full like yeet on the Chinese like methodologies for like two years in university. I slept every night with my socks on, and I hate doing that. You know,、mm-hmm. I kind of like to be that person who like snuggles in bed and feels the blankets on like your skin、yeah. and like everything. I, no, I slept in socks every night. I think it helped a bit,、mm-hmm. and now like I just have to sleep with socks on when my period comes. The biggest thing that I do find was important for me to realize is something that I do realize is bad to self-diagnose. I think I have mild cases of menstrual anxiety, and I don't even know if that's a thing. I get that too. To yeah. Okay. I, I think. I've been so traumatized by my experiences with like menstruating,、mm-hmm. but I actually found that because I was tracking my cycles, I would check my phone app when I got closer and just like see how many days were left and just、I、spend. I always do that. Yeah, and then I'd spend those days dreading, dreading、yep. my entire existence. My whole body would just be tense and like already cramping, and like I would just be like fully like in a slump. Again, I wanted to say like I'm lucky in being a very mentally healthy person, so it's not like anything severe.、Mm-hmm. But it was like the most sad I could get. Basically, was leading、Aww. up to my period, and my biggest cure that I found is like I just completely stopped checking my phone app until I see blood, and then then that's like when you deal with it. Through that, it's like helped me relax a lot. And I also think there's a lot about like validating self care time, which is the same with like actual like mental health issues,、yeah. right? So like on the first day of my period, I let myself just be a potato, you know? Oh, for sure. And like you know, we're from immigrant families. We're very hard workers, so I'll get my work done that I have to do, and then the rest of the day, I'm like, okay, like you gotta take it easy, or you're just gonna like hate yourself after.、Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to just be what the society would call you as like a sensitive little girl. In a male-dominated society, we are still judged for not working hard on your period. So, play "Mad Woman" by Taylor Swift. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> And just as a side note, after such a big discussion about menstrual cramps, a lot of people don't know that severe menstrual cramps can be a sign of endometriosis. And、yep. I saw like a statistic. Wow, I keep bringing up statistics in this episode, but like I saw some article say that. Very, very few women know they have endometriosis, and it takes like eight, nine years to get diagnosed. And it's really important to be on top of that. Don't just think that your cramps are normal. I would say, like, unless you have a perfectly normal five-day average flow, painless menstrual experience, I would recommend genuinely like getting your reproduction organs or whatever they're called checked up with your doctor like every. Three to four years. Yeah, most of the problems aren't severe, but they do find things that you should consider.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so this actually has been so cathartic to record for me、mm-hmm. because I hope it was educational for yeah, all. Yeah, I hope it's educational. It feels good to just talk about this without feeling ashamed or like you know embarrassed about it.、Mm-hmm. We do see our podcast following numbers also steadily go up. So Ooh, thank you.、Um, if Somehow, people want to share their experiences with us or their remedies. Share your remedy, please. Yeah, maybe、um, we'll read it in another episode, or、yeah. we'll just like hashtag help Jenny through her menstruation. <laughs> Let's see if anyone actually uses it. <laughs> I also want to say really quick before we wrap it up, if you're a male listening to this,、um, I know we shouldn't commend men for you know like doing the bare minimum and trying to openly listen about 
what females go through, but I still want to commend you guys because I know it's like really awkward to listen to sometimes, especially when you can't relate at all. Mm-hmm. But if you listen this far, this means that you weren't deterred away right from the beginning. So hopefully you learned a lot that maybe you feel embarrassed to ask like girls in your life about. Yeah, now you know how to help your friends. Very important. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. I can't sing, so. I can't hear. I had to cue. <laughs> yep. Um, hope you enjoyed. Hashtag help Jenny with her menstruation. Thank you. And now for the recommendation of the week, which is by me this time. And I did mention earlier on in the episode about how expensive pads are. My recommendations, a short documentary that actually won an Academy Award. Woo-woo. Was it like two years ago? A year ago? A while ago. Yep. It's called Period, End of Sentence. And maybe you've heard of it. It's a documentary filmed in India. And it follows how women in this village that don't really have access to sanitary pads or anything like that get this machine and start learning how to make pads and educating the population on how how to like stay healthy and hygienic during your period. Mm-hmm. I think that documentary really stuck with me because we talk a lot about societies where they don't have access to like you know hygiene products and we talk also we talk a lot recently and I'm calling myself out on this too about sustainability and zero waste but I think sustainability is such a privileged topic to address Mm -hmm. and it's always stuck with me since I started my sustainability journey that after watching period end of sentence you realize that we should be cutting back on our waste because there's a vast population in the world the majority of the world who can't even generate the waste they need to not die from bacteria from infections from everything you know Mm -hmm. you don't even consider how education rates are low because girls can't go to school when they would literally leak and bleed on everything they're wearing yep um we didn't want to go too much into it in this episode because obviously we're not super knowledgeable about it but there's so many cultures and countries out there where like women are isolated on their period Mm -hmm. yeah it's really sad Like, literally, in period end of sentence, you just see these girls have to, like, dig holes and Uh bury their stuff in to, like, hide it. Yeah. Like, just buy, like, one less small package granola bar box and let the girls in these countries just buy, like, use pads. Mm -hmm. It's not, I am aware that's not interchangeable, but, like, we're speaking about, like, the interchangeability on the impact of the earth here. Yeah, on a grander scale Mm -hmm. of things. And this documentary, by the way, is super short. It's like 20-something minutes. Yeah. So really, um, it's like the length of the episode of a sitcom. So Shorter than our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I hope that regardless of your gender, you'll take some time out of your day to watch the documentary, which is honestly pretty engaging. Like, I really liked it. And just, like, educate yourselves more. I agree. Good job, Connie. It's on Netflix. Very easy to access if you have Netflix. Mm-hmm. And with that... Connie had a great recommendation um, to wrap up our entire theme of menstruation, and now she can formally help us end the episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we would also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to share your thoughts on our social media, at TBI Podcast on Twitter, and at The Bicultural Identity on Instagram, where you can also find the link to our website with all our show notes. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!